You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode. Well, this has been a week that was, as they like to say. Uh, poor old Indonesia can't get a break, can they? Not only did they have a huge uh, earthquake, followed by a deadly tsunami, but that set off a volcanic eruption. Um, Haiti has been struck with an earthquake, and South Korea by a typhoon. Um, and then, on top of that, Bloomberg came out with a scary story about a hardware hack, which has turned into a massive mystery. Microsoft have pulled their Windows 10 update. I discovered a big downside to Apple News on the Mac, and um, a data aggregation company called Apollo uh, left their database with billions of data points uh, open to all. So, uh, there we are. Well, I'm not alone. Here to talk through the stories with me is uh, Nick. Hello, Nick. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks, Simon. Uh, wasn't that it? Haven't you just gone through the news? Aren't we supposed to sign off now and <laughs> yes, go home? <laughs> that's it. That's, that's all the news for this week. No, there are more stories than that. I can. Uh, it's been a very busy week in the news. Um, well, I suppose really um, we should talk, first of all, about the big Chinese hack story, which, um, well, started uh, Wednesday or Thursday. I can't remember. Um, Bloomberg broke a story which is called The Big Hack, How China Used a Tiny Chip to Infiltrate U.S. Companies. Um, I don't know, did you see the original story, Nick? Or did you kind of come into it like me, sort of um, after, the, after the first wave? Um, yeah, I, yes, I think I probably was after the first wave, but I, I, I certainly saw it pop into my news feed and thought, oh, <laughs> yeah uh, wouldn't someone have noticed that that was my first thought <laughs> well yeah i mean um for anybody who doesn't know bloomberg uh, uh the story is that um the chinese manufacturers who supply uh motherboards to a company called Supermicro, who uh, make specialist servers um for the industry uh had their motherboards compromised by the Chinese, uh, you know, somebody in uh, China inserting a very tiny spy chip. Um, and they've got a photograph of what they claim to be the spy chip. And it, it, it is on somebody's fingertip here, and it is tiny. Um, they're kind of suggesting that this was uh, inserted into the board and then uh, created a hardware backdoor to allow Chinese intelligence um, to gather all sorts of... Um, you know, data from these servers. Um, I had an initial problem with it in that they, first of all, this sort of thing isn't that easy to do. Um, you have to, you would have to put this in very early in the design stage because 
something like that. It's not something, it's not like a piece of Lego. You just clip onto the board at the end and go, ha, 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 you're compromised. That's not how it works. Um, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure people who make specialist servers have, you know, a pretty intense development team who, um, you know, know exactly what should be doing what on their on their boards. Um, yeah, and I would have thought when you're designing something as well, when you get it back, you don't just say, oh, yeah, that's what we designed. No, without really looking at it <laughs> i mean i know this chip is tiny and could um there was uh in the story they're saying that it could be disguised as some sort of uh signal uh modifier uh piece but uh, my other problem is that they claim to that it for a start they claim that it affects about 20 companies but they only name amazon apple and Supermicro themselves um they say it affects up people like, you know, possibly intelligence agencies, possibly a major bank, but nobody's named. Um, they claim to have spoken to, you know, over 100 people familiar with the matter. And yet not one single person is prepared to either um, be named or to um, go on the record. So this is all unnamed sources off the record have told us. Um, the only thing that stopped me dismissing it out of hand as crackpot conspiracy theory was that it was from Bloomberg. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, you would have expect normally we expect Bloomberg to at least <laughs> have a grasp on the situation. So. Yeah, um, but then um, a Amazon, Apple, Supermicro, and the Chinese government all issued um, vigorous uh, rebuttals. Um, which, to be fair to Bloomberg, they did actually uh, report in full on their own site. Um, all the links for this, by the way, are in the show notes, of course. Um, I mean, Amazon said, It is untrue that AWS knew about a supply chain compromise, an issue with malicious chips or hardware modifications when acquiring Elemental. It is untrue that AWS knew about servers containing malicious chips or modifications in data centers in China or that we worked with the FBI to investigate or provide data about malicious hardware. Um, and that goes on for some time, basically rebutting every uh, allegation. Um, Apple have said, over the course of the last year, Bloomberg has contacted us multiple times with claims, sometimes vague, sometimes elaborate, of an alleged security incident at Apple. Each time we have conducted rigorous internal investigations based on their inquiries, and each time we have found no evidence to support any of them. Um, Apple has never I like, found... I like this. Go on. Go on, carry on. I was going to say... Um... I was just going to say... Yeah, go on. Go I was on. just going to say... <laughs> After you. All right, this is, uh, we can be very clear. Apple has never found malicious chips, hardware manipulations, or vulnerabilities purposely planted in any server. Apple has never had any contact with the FBI or any other agency about such an instant we are not aware of any investigation by the fbi or nor are any of our contacts in law enforcement um and they have they all they go on it goes on and they have yeah. also um stated quite openly we are not under a gag order or any other confidentiality agreement so you know um they can they, you know if they were under a gag order they could be told not to say things but they cannot be uh, you know, forced to deny such a thing. Um, and yeah. then the Chinese government have also said, uh, Supermicro, uh, again, have uh, 
strenuously denied it in the most robust terms, and the Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs has said, as a resolute defender, resolute defender of cybersecurity, <coughs> maybe, um, <laughs> we advocate for international community to work together on tackling cybersecurity threats. That said, you know, um, everybody is desperately trying to spy on everybody else, and I don't really think that... The, the Chinese are probably any worse than anybody else, the truth be told. Um, and that yeah. they are probably just as um, concerned about, I mean, if such a hardware hack was um, actually possible and viable, then nothing would be safe anywhere, ever. What, what I was going to say was um, that <laughs> I just got visions of a rigorous investigation, you know, someone rushing around to, uh, along to a blade in the server and pulling it out with a mic, with a mic, <laughs> with a yeah. uh, magnifying glass <laughs> looking for a little tiny oh, I can't see anything I can't see it um yeah um it then... does, it's a bit bizarre isn't it, it the, 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 the so opposite there is there's no, no there there's... is absolutely no meeting place between those who are making the claims there is no um those wriggle room at all in that um then Bloomberg uh said um we stand by our Chinese chip story um and Amazon uh the Again, this was Ars, Ars Technica reported that one, um, but it, it's all over the web, the whole thing. You type in, you know, Apple, Amazon, Chinese hack, and you'll get a million hits. Um, so Bloomberg stood by their story um, and said, uh, what did they say? Uh, something along the lines of, we've been investigating this for a year, I think, um, and then have interviewed all these different people. Um, what does it say? Uh, Apple laid out Kate's... Uh, laid out its case against the story in a lengthy post on the website. Um, no one from Apple ever reached out to the FBI. Uh, right? Amazon's response was equally emphatic. Um, Bloomberg reporter Jordan Robertson, one of the co-authors, has stood by the story on Bloomberg TV, uh, no less. He said he had talked to 17 anonymous sources in US intelligence agencies and at the affected companies who confirmed the story. It is clear someone isn't telling the truth, but it's hard to tell what the real story is. Uh, Apple ruled out a possible theory. We are not under any kind of gag order or other confidentiality obligation. Um, right. A blog post by a computer security expert, Nicholas Weaver, argues the situation Bloomberg describes is at least plausible. Well, you know, I don't think any of us are uh, doubting that it could be done. Um no, no, I don't think we are. I think I think the question is, if it has been done, show us evidence of it yeah. actually being done. I mean, they've shown us the what is supposed to be the tiny little chip, but show us show us show us it on us actually there. Yes, they haven't shown us a picture of that, have they? No. So, um, so, but Bloomberg have stood by their story, um, as I say. Uh, but my my gripe, as I earlier said, is you know. Everybody involved, uh, allegedly over a hundred people and seventeen, you know, uh, intelligence people, none of which are prepared to be named, none of which are prepared to go on the record, and even after Apple have and others have denied it in the most strenuous um, and granular terms, to be honest, you know, they've refuted pretty much every single point one by one, um, and nobody has stepped forward and said, okay, I'll come forward and say this is what I know. Um, I, I just don't understand how it would benefit Amazon, Apple, Supermicro, or the Chinese government to strenuously deny it. I mean, maybe the Chinese government yeah, well, don't I mean, understand what benefit it would be to 
Well, I mean, Amazon, Apple, or Supermicro. I mean, obviously, obviously, um, you know, Amazon and Apple, and certainly Supermicro. I mean, Supermicro's um, stock price took a massive hit on the breaking of the story. I should expect it to, really. Yeah, I mean, Apple and Amazon lost about 1%, I think, after it broke, but that's probably neither in or there. You, that's probably just trading vagaries. I don't... Um, These 17 I mean, people they've been talking to aren't analysts, are they? Well, they're supposed to be or, security. Or they're, or they're short sellers. <laughs> they should be. They're supposed to be security specialists um, or intelligence people. Um, my... I mean, obviously, Apple are going to deny it because people who run massive data centers, you know, it it would be a, a massive blow if people were no longer to trust them because all oh, their servers have got Chinese spy chips in them. Um, but but the truth is, we know from our uh, from from our uh, experience of Apple that when they do get stuff wrong, it might take them a while to admit it, but but eventually they will. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I don't know. This just all smells wrong to me. Yeah. So the Apple Insiders. Yeah. I mean, um, BuzzFeed then had a, a piece. Um, Apple Insiders say nobody internally knows what's going on with Bloomberg's China hack story. Um, and again, this is basically um, multiple senior Apple executives uh, speaking with BuzzFeed News, um, speaking on condition of anonymity so that they could speak freely have all denied and expressed confusion with the report that the company's servers had been compromised by a Chinese intelligence operation. Um, we tried to figure out if there was anything, anything which transpired that is even remotely close to this. We have found nothing. Um, Amazon and Apple issued uncharacteristically strong detailed denials, which we've already talked about. Um, a security, a senior security engineer directly involved in Apple's internal investigations, which he described as endoscopic, noting they had never seen a chip like the one described in the story, let alone found one. I don't even know if something like this actually exists, this person said, noting that Apple was not provided with a malicious chip or a motherboard. Uh, nothing. No hardware, no chips, no emails. Um, equally puzzling is the assertion that it was party to an FBI investigation. Um, a senior Apple legal official told BuzzFeed News the company had not contacted the FBI nor been contacted by FBI, CIA, NSA or any other government agency in regards to incidents described in the report. Um, as they say. So um, then it says Apple's... Uh... We're a bit stuck, aren't we, really? Because we've got one group saying, no, this is absolutely true. We've got evidence. We can't give it you, but we've got evidence yeah. that it's absolutely um, true. And another another group uh, saying, yes, it definitely isn't true. <laughs> really, it's just a you know, toss yeah. a coin, really. Uh, it, it's a very, very strange story. Um, and then, uh, just to finish up, uh, the last couple, uh, the last day or so, the Department of Homeland Security has no reason to doubt Apple's denial of the supply chain compromise. Um, and the UK cyber agency backs Apple and Amazon denials of Chinese hacking. Um, and that was in the Telegraph. So uh, it's it's very, very muddied. And if it wasn't Bloomberg, I'd put it down as a wingnut job, to be honest. Um, I, I, I will, you know, I mean, my personal take, uh, and this is my personal view, uh, it smacks of FUD. Um, yeah. I, I don't know who would benefit from that or why. Um, 
but there's not one piece of hard evidence. And to me, um, and you're a similar sort of age to me, Nick, so you would remember this. I mean, it really stinks to me of a kind of Manchurian candidate, reds under the bed, Cold War conspiracy hysteria, you know. Yeah, um, and yes. the, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, a, 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 almost James Bondian kind of plot. Um, in many ways, although I could see the appeal of such a thing, if you could achieve it without being detected, you would have unfettered access to all sorts of things. But the the complexity of doing it... And, and, the, and the, the chances of actually being found out should be fairly high, surely. Yeah, well, because I'm pretty I mean, sure... You're actually when putting you... something physical on the chip. It might be tiny but you're actually putting something that shouldn't be there on the chip, and on, on the circuit board. On the circuit board. And that would have to be designed in really, really early in the in the development process. Otherwise, because as I say, you can't just stick it on. It's not like putting a GPS tracker on a car, you know. Um, I'm pretty <laughs> no. sure that um, as clever and, and um, you know, frightening as it sounds, and possibly doable if you, you know, were really deep state dug in, I'd... I'm sure there are a lot easier ways to compromise data. You know, if, if what, you're... What's, what's confusing is that Bloomberg are so convinced by the information that they've got. Yeah. Um, I, I just... I don't know. It just... The only thing that I could think that anybody would kind of benefit is... Yeah, is exactly a kind of um, Cold War hysteria to whip up anti-Chinese sentiment. Mm. Um because, you know, uh, I'm not going to go into the politics. I think most people listening to this show can figure out what that, you know, might possibly be related to. But, that's... but the, the only but the thing is, the the only sort of hysteria it's going to create is with, with techies. Because, I mean, <laughs> the average person in the street really couldn't care less one way or another about no. this story, probably, and probably hasn't heard about it. And even if they have, let's face it, most people don't give a monkey's about Facebook siphoning off all their data. <laughs> um, this is true. You know, yeah. they'll happily give away all of their personal secrets for a, you know, free message board. Yeah. Um, Just by asking them, effectively. Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. Um, so Weird. Very, very strange. Yeah, it's all a bit, yeah. I don't know. And that is going to rumble on, I suspect. Um, and however it pans out, Somebody is going to um, take a massive hit. Um, I mean, if you know, if if Bloomberg continued to defend it, and then it turns out that it's a complete put-up job, they're That's journalistic going to discredit Bloomberg somewhat. Their yeah. journalistic integrity is going to take an enormous hit. Um, and well, if you know, well, if it were the other way round, I mean, there'd be a lot of companies that you'd be thinking, well, hold on a minute, <laughs> yeah. why were you lying? Yeah, it's a weird one. It's definitely. very, very strange. Um, so there we go. Um, we'll just have to see what happens with that. Uh, yeah, we are. I, I really don't know what to make out of it. It, it, it was a sort of. I mean, it's almost James Bondian, isn't it? The whole thing is just bizarre. Um, it is. Yeah, so. I, I'd be, you'd expect sort of, you know, sort of halfway through, a, a, you know, in the data center, something coming out of the board and <laughs> plugging itself in. Yeah, uh, something it, like that. It, it, it's very with some exciting soundtrack playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, yeah. Um, right. Well, here's a couple of short ones, and which are sort of slightly uh, linked. Um, Tim Cook is to speak at a European Data Protection Conference in Brussels later in the month. Um, 
This was on Mac Rumours. Tim Cook will give the keynote speech at Debating Ethics, Dignity and Respect in a Data-Driven Life, a public session of the conference set to take place on Wednesday. So um, there we go. I mean, (laughs) but um, yeah, that's not really consistent with somebody who... uh, you know, is a bit lax about uh, about their stuff, is it? Um, and also, apparently, Apple has topped Interbrand's best global brand list for the sixth year running. Um, well, that's not that's not really very surprising, is it? I mean, they're no. just such an iconic. Yeah, it's not particularly company. surprising. Uh, um, and the goods they produce are so iconic. Yeah. Um, what's it say here? I mean, this is um, interbrand score companies based on 10 categories, clarity, commitment, governance, responsiveness, relevance, engagement, differentiation, consistency, authenticity and presence. Um, <clears throat> uh, Google are in second place and Amazon, um, I think, a third. So there we go. Um, just, a, you know, yeah, that's not much of a story, really, is it? It just um, <clears throat> there we go. Um, of course, um, we've seen quite a lot of things. Uh, iPad Insight put out a story saying, open season on Apple, Bloomberg and others take aim. Um, and uh, I kind of agree with this. It's it's very much, uh, oh, Apple have released new stuff and uh, the merest whiff of anything not being perfect. Um, you know, uh, people strike up the band and... Um, Oh no, we're all doomed. Um, <laughs> I th- I, yeah, I, in some ways, Apple seemed to get it. I mean, don't get me wrong; they are one of the the largest companies. So, in some ways, it's inevitable they're going to get all this attention. Yeah. Um, but but I think it's true of all large companies, really. Yeah. Um, um, you put your, put yourself. You produce stuff that you want to be perfect, but you know that it's not because nothing nothing is perfect. No. Uh, uh, and uh, you know, people well because they can make money out of it. Oh, yeah. In the end, it's down to money, isn't it? It's clicks. It's clicks. Yeah, it's um, clicks. They, <clears throat> they can they can, get, they can make money out of it. So why wouldn't they? Kind of thing. Yeah. Um. I mean, uh, I've also linked one here from Forbes. Uh, which if it actually loads, um, <laughs> but they 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 published a piece and it was um. You know, the iPhone XS is fighting serious problems, uh, you know, with the, the charge gate, quote unquote, and beauty gate. And um, apparently some of them have got LTE problems. And they all sound like teething problems to me. Um, yes, they probably are. The, the charging thing, it appears that some iPhones, if you plug them in while they're um, asleep, will not actually charge. You have to wake the screen up to get them to start to charge. Um, yeah, I saw a I saw a video, a YouTube video. I can't remember his name now. The guy who did it, um, um, and he'd got several iPhones of various types, and they they all behaved differently. Not not everyone behaved differently, obviously. Some behaved one way, some behaved another. Yeah, and um, yeah, so there's definitely a problem there. But I mean, to call it a gate is a little bit. Yeah, it sounds to me. Um, I've seen reports of also people disingenuous. saying. Yes, and I've also seen people reporting that it's not just the um, the the newest phones. Some of the older phones, no, eights yeah, and sevens, have been. So that sounds yeah, more so like it, it's a bug. And I've also seen already reported that um, the twelve point one update fixes it. So that sounds like a software bug, basically of some yeah. sort. Um, how and why different as phones we, as behave? We were talking about before we started, you know, when when you uh, 
having a beta test with a few hundred thousand people is you know it's good but as soon as you put it out to the millions and millions of people that have got iphones yeah there are going to be one or two there are always going to be things you know beta beta testing is great and it it helps you find you know big problems or avoid big problems or you know get user feedback on we don't like this and we but we do like that but as you say, when you start the more, talking the about complex, half a billion devices, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And when you uh, the more complex your software gets, the more likely there's going to be a little corner that you, you don't. I mean, I in a very small way, coding at work, um, and it doesn't matter how thorough you are at trying to think. Oh, they might click on that, or they might click on that, and then, uh, therefore I have to code to make sure that's taken into a. Always the odd one. Oh, yeah. That sneaks through and does something completely unexpected. Well, you know, and there's always edge cases. There are always edge cases. And, you know, weird edge cases only crop up when you've got half a billion people using a device because sometimes these things are weird interactions between, you know, a variety of different, you know, if you have this service on and that thing installed and do this, then, you know, there's a weird problem. Yeah, it's... I don't think uh, I don't think that the new phones have serious problems. They have teething troubles, as far as I can tell. Well, I've not heard that looks no. Right, you're breaking up a bit there, but um, say that again. Oh right, Nick, I was you... just saying I can't. I don't think there's anything insurmountable. No, come no. to light yet. No, no, I don't either. I think um, I think a lot of this stuff is, as you say, it's clickbait. It, you know shouting apple has a problem with xyz will get you clicks um and clicks make for ad revenue on the whole um uh, talking about um ios uh ios 12 apparently ios 12 is now installed on 50 percent of active devices outpacing ios 11 adoption um which that's is pretty impressive that's it? pretty impressive what's that in what a week is it two weeks yeah September the 18th to October the 6th. So, yeah. Um, According to this, iOS 12, as of October the 6th, iOS 12, 50%. iOS 11, 42.91%. Older, 708%. Well, I'm pretty much guessing that older, which if you look at their graph is pretty much flat, um, is devices that are not eligible. And probably not eligible for I, iOS 11 either. It, yeah, possibly. Uh, and and the, the fact is, um, the way Apple play it, uh, it becomes more and more obvious that there's an update waiting for you. Yeah. Um, I think the last time my watch, I, my watch must have warned me about five times that there's an update. Yeah. Um, and I think the last time it said, I'll do it tonight for you if you like. Yeah. <laughs> Always that effect. Yeah. And I said, oh, okay then. All right then. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, um, yeah, so 50%. Of course, I'm sure that's pretty much helped this time because if you can run iOS 11, you can run iOS 12. Um, yes. And I'm pretty sure that that means, you know, everybody who could was probably already on iOS 11. That means that, you know, the update is just a press a yes, okay button. And um, if everything that's not on iOS 11 is probably unable to run iOS 11. So, um why would you not? Is that I think the simple answer to that. Oh, well, some people just like ignoring notifications. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there we go. Uh, 
And uh, this one's not really much of a surprise, uh, but Fosbytes uh, had a piece. Apple's A12 Bionic chip is nearly as fast as the best desktop CPUs. Um, and I don't think there's much of a surprise in that. Um, that's been that's been coming for some time. The only uh, I mean, people said that about the uh, what was it, the A11 Bionic. So um, there we go. Yes, we can't keep getting faster. I mean, the fact is, um, desk move anywhere near as fast as mobile chips do. No. In their upgrade cycle. So, yeah, it's bound to catch up eventually. Well, yeah, every, everything will level off. Um, according to the review, Apple is understating the performance of the A12 as compared to the previous generation. Apple said the A12 is 15% faster than an, a, uh, than an A11. They've said A12 here, but they mean A11. Um, the review revealed that the number is actually 40%. So, um, yeah. Gosh, that's quite a big difference. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it depends how you want to benchmark it, I'm sure. I suspect Apple would rather claim that it's 15 or 20% faster and know that it's probably better than that than to say it's 40% and then have a load of people going, well, I did a big bench test and I only got 32.7. So... <laughs> Because you know it would happen. You know it would happen. If Apple claimed that they got a 40% um, you know, improvement, loads of people would be testing it, desperately trying to prove that they didn't. So, Oh, of course they would. Yeah. So, and um, not only that, I mean, images are one of those things that people vote very easily and, and mean almost nothing. It's a little bit like um, uh, in the keynote, I think they said that the watch was much bigger Yeah, and it was... Thirty percent bigger, which went to pieces. So, it's it's a strange definition of the word much, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I know that it, people have I've heard people talk about it since who have said it feel a lot bigger. The the screen feels bigger, and I I have no doubt that um, that it'll look beautiful because Apple designed it. But uh, I I just think sometimes you know saying thirty percent sounds a lot. Yeah, you start with something very small. Yes, <laughs> it's not that much. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's it's probably um, pretty visible. I suspect the biggest thing is, of course, because they've reduced the bezels, haven't they? That's that's the yes, big, the yes, big so thing. It now goes look, out to yeah, the rounded edges. Look, look bigger. So it's it's going to um, feel bigger. I mean, on my watch, you don't really notice the bezels because every the, the interface is black. So you you know, but people said, oh, if you use one of the full uh, sort of full screen photo uh, faces. Yes, the, the, it becomes yeah. obvious that there is a you know a considerable black margin, um, and now there's not, which means that if you like the photo uh, faces or whatnot, you know it feels much nicer. So yeah. there we are. I, I, and I think the benchmarks are very much very similar. You know, most of them so show percentages. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, it doesn't necessarily tell you anything very much. You know, we talked about the keynote and. Um, one of the things I said about the keynote was that, you know, really the keynote for me was just look at phone and watch are better. And in fact, it's, it's what we come to expect from Apple. And, uh, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing it, uh, that they're pushing the boundaries forward all the while, uh, which is, which is what we want really. Yeah. Didn't know. Um, and on actually on that, I had some feedback here from um, Scott, Scott uh, Wilsey from the pocket size podcast. Uh, uh -huh. 
He said, honest feedback here. I don't understand the it was so dull thing. Apple very rarely has anything revolutionary. So many years people say they were underwhelmed and yet Apple keeps selling more than ever. I think often when people watch the keynote, they abandon their historical perspective and forget that generally speaking, Apple keynotes are not that amazing. Um, I agree it's possible something was not announced that was intended to be announced, but for the stuff they did announce, it was fairly typical, especially following a year when they introduced the iPhone X. They're not going to do a change that big two years in a row. Um, I don't see the disappointment at all. I think it's usually just because they didn't announce something that disappointed people personally were looking for. Uh, well, yeah, I I'm, I agree with that on the whole. Um as I said to uh, Scott in reply, I wasn't particularly disappointed in what was announced. Um, and I'm sorry if that's how it came across. I was trying to say that I felt the um, presentation felt a bit flat. And um, it was more about the sort of fire in the belly um, for me that was a little. Um, and yeah. I, I know Tim's no, you know, Tim's not Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs would stride onto that stage and totally, you know, command the audience and you know he was a showman par excellence and um you see i yeah i mean thanks for the feedback scott by the way um good feedback i, I still think i think he maybe he was responding to me because i felt i felt a bit disappointed by it i i felt that it was i agree that uh apple are uh um and increment, not throwing tons of stuff at it every time. I just felt this one was a little bit. Look at the wonderful things we've done. Yeah. Um, and it, but there wasn't a lot new. There was very, very little new. If you think about it, they talked about were very small in comparison to previous years. So I think historically looking back, there's always been something new, something, something. And I don't. It doesn't have to be anything particularly big. I mean. Thinking they introduced copy and paste. That was a big thing for me. I thought, mm. hey, great. Hooray, copy They've and got paste, it. yeah. Um, uh, so it doesn't have to be big. It's just, I just felt, on the whole, there wasn't a lot new. Definitely uh, there was. They'd obviously done huge amounts of work to improve its speed and the way it worked and the elegance of it and the, all that stuff. But there was very little... I could point at and say, "Oh, that's new," and well, that's new. I mean, that's I th new. I th I thought. I mean, obviously, the fall detection was new. That really impressed me. I did like that. And and the and, and I wasn't saying there wasn't anything new either. No, I mean, there, were, there were some new things. I just felt it was a little. I I'm I'm still <laughs> pretty convinced that the the nine to five Mac uh, leak took the oomph out of it. To be honest, yeah. As and, I say, but for me that that's not true because I didn't see the nine to five well, link. So no, fair enough. But uh, I also I also still think that maybe you know that there was something that didn't make it, and that uh, possibly I'm pretty sure that there was something that didn't make it, and it was almost certainly the air power um, because they oh, touted possibly. that they touted that so hard last year, and it was going to be fabulous. And the word is that it's run into massive technical difficulties, and. Um, you know they can't release it if it's if it's not ready um but they didn't even say so I, I that's the thing i think that makes some people flat they might have been better off to say you know the air power um and you know we told We're you it would be ready <laughs> they might you know they might have been better to just come clean and say look we've Although got they did say right at the beginning of the keynote didn't they yeah we're going to talk about 
two items today. Yeah, or the, the was it the three most the iPhone and the yeah the sort of the two most yeah. personal products or whatever it was. So, but yes, yeah. yeah. Anyway, there we go. Well, uh, before we move on to any more, Nick, shall we have a uh, a short break um, and let John Nemo open the hardware store and tell us what he's got today? Sounds good. Okay, take it away, John. I'm using my iPhone today again to record out in the car because we have two items that definitely involve transportation. The first one is from a company called InGearAuto.com. I-N-G-E-A-R-A-U-T-O. InGearAuto.com. Their product is called AutoXscape. A-U-T-O-X-S-C-A-P-E. All one word, auto escape, vehicle mounted, life-saving flashlight, $40 on sale. Slash, bash, and flash. There's a user's manual, a card that says welcome to peace of mind, a clamping bracket, and some 3M adhesive, and a couple of screws. Those are the accessories. The main event takes some batteries, and at one end is a very, very strong sharp point for smashing the window in your car when you are stranded or falling over a bridge on your way into the Thames or whatever river you happen to be falling into. The batteries are three AAAs. I just confirmed that. I had put those in there a few days ago, screwing the battery cover back on. When you pull off smashing tip at one end, underneath is a strange shaped knife. It can be used to slit and cut your seatbelt, again, to help you get out of your car in an emergency. This is all described on the website that we have in our show notes for this week, and it's also described in the user manual. How good is the flashlight? Let me put that cover back on so I don't cut myself. Just a second. When you turn the flashlight on, the first thing you get is a strong, bright, directional, very good, powerful beam. Press it again. You get a half brightness beam press it a third time and you get a flasher flashing sos in morse code fascinating i haven't seen that since i was in the boy scouts then you press it again it turns it off so for 40 dollars us you have an always with you wherever you happen to be seatbelt knife flashlight and window smasher have a look at the auto x escape vehicle mounted life-saving flashlight because you can mount it anywhere in your vehicle or anywhere in your shop, anywhere you happen to be for protection and peace of mind from ingearauto.com. I'm still in the garage, but now we are looking at the beautiful new grips on my bicycle. The company is called Grab On Grips. That's G-R-A-B-O-N-G-R-I-P-S. Grabongrips.com. And they sent me grab-on-grip covers. Turn your present grips into comfortable foam grips with a minimum of work. Slide these high-quality EPDM foam sleeves onto the existing grips for a great feel. I did it the other day. I took the new grips that I got from grab-on-grips, slid them over my terrible old hard rubber grips on my bike, and the new grab-on-grip covers... Model MC402 
5-inch grip covers, fits one and a quarter inch to one and a half inch outside diameter, extra durable EPDM foam, resists gas, oil, ozone, UV, satisfaction guaranteed. Then when I'm out cycling, it's starting to cool off here in the morning. I wear my painter's gloves with my grab-on grip covers, and my wrists and hands are much, much more comfortable. Price in the U.S. on Amazon.com is $13. That is a great price for comfortable bike or motorcycle riding. Well done, grab-on grip, grip covers. That's it for Nemo's Hardware Store. Back next week. Thank you, John, and as always, all the links for the relevant products are in the show notes. Uh, well, Nick, um, those are the sort of big stories of the uh, of the week. Um, we've got a few more. Um, we've been going quite a while, so I don't think we'll spend too long on most of these. Um, in uh, the security uh, field, uh, Apple and Facebook are among tech firms lobbying against Australia's encrypted data law. Um, and uh, for anybody who's not aware, um, the Australian government are attempting to pull a similar kind of uh, stunt to um, the British government um, and, uh, you know, asking to uh, have a backdoor to private encrypted data. Um, Australia in August has proposed fines of up to 10 million Australian dollars, uh, 7.2 million US dollars, for institutions and prison terms for individuals who do not comply with a court request to give authorities access to private data. Um, as usual, the government has said the proposed law is needed amid a heightened risk of terror attacks. Yeah, of course it is, because you're actually more likely to be hit by a meteorite than you are actually to die in a terror attack. <laughs> uh, that is the truth, um, statistically. Um, Facebook, Alphabet, Apple and Amazon will jointly lobby the lawmakers to amend the bill ahead of its parliamentary vote expected in a few weeks' time. Um any kind of attempt by interception agencies, as they are called in the bill, to create tools to weaken encryption is a huge risk to digital security, said Lizzie O'Shea, a spokeswoman for the Alliance for Safe and Secure Internet. Um, and then it goes on. I mean, it's it's much, much of, uh, you know, more of the same, more of the yes, same. It's uh, lawmakers thinking that if they if they're given a wand and they say the magic words. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, some, somehow a backdoor will appear that no one else in the world wants. No, yeah. yeah. So there we go. So um, hopefully, you know, the might of the uh, of the big tech agencies might um, have some effect. Who can tell? Um, also, New Zealand is to order tourists to hand over phone passwords at the border. Um, this was in the Independent. Um, New Zealand has, in fact, enacted uh, this law. Um which is uh, privacy rights campaigners have denounced a new law in New Zealand under which uh, it will allow border officials to demand tourists unlock any ele electronic devices, uh, including mobile phones, so they can be searched. Um, visitors who refuse to hand over their device passwords could face prosecution and a fine of up to £2,500, uh, which is 5000 New, uh, New Zealand dollars. Um, that sounds a bit draconian. Yes, the law allows border officials to retain and confiscate devices if tourists resist a search. Um, 
Uh, foreign nationals who travel to the US and refuse access to the phones can be denied entry if they are deemed to be non-cooperative. Uh, civil liberties groups have reacted to the law with dismay. Um, it's being, um, let's just say, it's being referred to as a digital strip search um, by opponents. Um, allowing customs to be able to demand the right to examine and capture this information is a grave invasion of personal privacy of both the person who owns the device and people they communicate with. Um, the reality of this law is it gives customs the power to take and force unlock of people's smartphones without justification or appeal, which is exactly what customs has always wanted. Um, the act requires that customs officials must have a reasonable cause, um, but apparently border staff do not have to prove this before they confiscate your device, uh, and nor is there any meaningful way to protest or appeal at the time of confiscation. So... That appears very much a shoot first, ask questions later kind of approach. Um, reasonable cause, uh, well, we found stuff on your phone that uh, we don't like. So um, that's <laughs> rather, uh, yeah. Um, I won't be going to New Zealand in a hurry then. No, uh, a bit of a pity because of all the places in the world I've probably wanted to go, New Zealand is one of them. Um, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a lovely country. Yeah, um, don't don't like that though. Sorry, don't like that one little bit. Um, uh, and equally scary, very scary, um, a recent startup breach exposed billions of data points. Uh, this was on Wired. Um, I don't think you've seen this one, Nick. Um, but basically, um, there is a company called Apollo who are... Um, a data aggregator and analytics service uh, aimed at helping sales team know who to contact. Um, uh, they claim, apparently, to have 200 million contacts and information on over 10 million companies. Um, however, uh, security founder Vinny Troja, who routinely scans the internet for unprotected accessible databases, discovered Apollo's trove containing 212 million contacts and 9 billion data points related to companies and organisations, all of which was readily available for anyone to access. Oops. Um, there we go. That's pretty... That's just... That's, that's kind bonkers, of isn't it? Just... Um, uh, combining all of the public data in one easily accessible location creates an inherent risk. If it leaks as the Apollo data has, it enables scammers, fraudsters, fishers to craft compelling targeted attacks against huge numbers of people. Um, the Apollo breach has an additionally problematic layer in that some client imported data was accessed without authorization, whatever that actually means. Um, so uh, that's there is a high risk for fraud, spam or other uh, harmful actions when these type of data sets leak. Um, so that's pretty bad. Um, yeah, that's not good at all. That's not good. However, having said that, <laughs> we're all used to getting spam and, <laughs> yeah. and all those other things. Of course, I think the problem with this is, um, you know, as a, a, an individual, it probably doesn't affect you per se um, because they're talking about companies. But um, that sort of data is um, very dangerous in the hands of, of people who want to conduct spear phishing or... Um, yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, anyone who wants to do nasty things to you, basically. Well, particularly to companies oh, in this says, case. Lower down, it says there were 125 million email addresses in total, mm. and it's probably the largest uh, email notification that have I been pwned. Yes, has ever sent for one breach. Oh dear. Um, 
Well, um, we'll address again then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, we're continually seeing massive breaches of data aggregators who hold people on information who have no idea their personal information has been used. Um, I know that it's uh, Apollo's customers who provide access to their customers, but the fact remains there are north of 100 million people who have no idea who Apollo is, nor that their information was exposed. Hmm. Yes. Well, do you know I've been uh, I've been uh, helping out a couple of people this week um, at church with their computers, um, various problems, and um, it's so difficult to give them good advice. So um, one of them said, uh, "My machine keeps asking me should uh, to update stuff, and I'm I'm never sure whether to do it or not." And I say, "Yeah, you should keep your software up to date. Uh, if you're in a browser." Completely ignore that. Yeah. <laughs> How do I tell the difference? Yeah. Mm, it's really hard to tell the difference, actually. Yeah, that's right. You need yeah. to update for, your you flash. Know, for someone who doesn't know a lot about computers to define yes. exactly what they should take notice of and what they shouldn't. Yes. Um, indeed. Um, apparently, it looks like LinkedIn weren't very happy about it either. Our investigation into this claim found a third-party sales intelligence company not associated with LinkedIn was compromised and exposed a large set of data aggregated from social networks. Mm. Well, that's a very bad, very, very bad um, breach. There we go. Um, right. Uh, what else? Um, the internet surges in... Uh, interest, sorry, not the internet. Interest surges in Tim Berners Lee Inrupt, a startup out to remake the web. Um, yeah, I thought this was an interesting story. I think I you might have heard, uh, you might remember, I, I mentioned um, Tim Berners Lee and his solid project um, a few weeks yeah. ago. Um, this is related to that. Um, Inrupt is a startup by uh, Tim Berners Lee. Um, Inrupt is backing an open source project from Tim Berners-Lee called Solid. So it's related to that. Um, and it's all about this um, data pods, um, which is about you, you know, uh, having access to your data and deciding who can and cannot have access to it. Um, it's a potentially powerful idea. You'd own your own photos uh, and so on. Um, but. To be honest, yeah, uh, as they say, there are potential downsides. Inrupt envisions us all paying for many services, uh, which could curtail privacy problems. But let's face it, a lot of us like not having to pay. Um, and a solid-based yeah. web could give us a lot of responsibility for micromanaging our own data. Um, yes, which a lot of people don't want to have to do, do they? No. Um, obviously, at the moment, it's uh, it's very basic. I, I did um, actually sign up for an account um and what you get is a very basic dashboard um i mean obviously it's for it's for developers the idea is to encourage developers to start um working on things which would be uh solid compatible um yeah it's interesting i'm i'm not sure that um i'm not sure that it will take off um, at the moment, it all looks... Well, a... it's very early days. Oh, it is it's very early days. early days for something this size, um, potentially. At the moment, it looks very techy, but as I say, it is for developers. So um, I don't know. Um, and, you know, Andy well, Yen well, has... Well, the internet was... The internet yes. is early days. You you had to be a techie, otherwise you wouldn't find your way onto it. Well, that is also true. Um, yeah. And it has got Tim Berners-Lee behind it. And, of course... Um, 
And Yen from Proton, um, you know, has said that he sees the future of the internet um, or, you know, the next big wave of internet um, companies being ones, you know, like Proton or maybe this solid or whatever, where you pay a small fee, um, but what you're getting is privacy and security. So um, yeah, who can tell? Who can so... tell? Early days, um, who, you know, yeah. yeah, when I first went on the internet, um, you know, in the late 90s, um, who would have thought it was about to do what it did and revolutionise the world in about 10 years? Yeah. No. Um, no, you couldn't tell. When I first started to use the, the internet, um, you're talking about, you know, um, emailing was a was a bloody right game because you had to have one thing to write the email in and then another app to send it and then a different app to download your email and um <laughs> literally that was yes. that was you know you had one to write it and one to send it and one to get um get a reply and um i think mosaic was brand new um yeah pages mostly looked like a page of um courier um <laughs> there we go who would have thought and um I remember reading pieces. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Yeah. I mean, I could see it possibly becoming a niche, if nothing else. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe it will become something that companies uh, are more interested in. Perhaps if perhaps if that Apollo yeah, were using it, they wouldn't have exposed to however many 9 billion data points. <laughs> there we go. Um, I, it's one to watch for me. One to watch. I'm interested in that sort of thing. Like I say, I have signed up um, and... It's very, very basic. Um, but then you can't recreate the whole... The World Wide Web was very basic when it started, so you can't judge on that, I guess. Um, I, certainly like, I certainly like the concept of having your data under your control, yes. effect, rather than just giving it away to everybody mm. um, and then not knowing who's got what, basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the idea is that you store your data in what they're calling pods, which I... I uh, it is personal online data stores. Um, and the idea is... Yes, that you, and literally you open up little bits of that information as as necessary. To... Yes, so if you, um, you know, if you sign up to a service, they say, can we have access to your address book? You can say yes or no. Um, yeah. It, it's, got, it's got possibilities. It's got promise. Um, whether or not the general population will be interested enough to make a go of it, I don't know. But maybe corporations would. I could see. Um, I could see why a lot of companies might be interested in such a, a way of working. Might take a lot. Yeah, because one um, one of the things that companies worry about these days is more and more stuff is moving to the web, and uh, and it's it's looking after their data. Yeah, you know, moving out to the cloud. Um, there we are. Um, this other uh, one apparently Microsoft this week um, released a Windows Ten October update. Um, and then pulled it again um, because apparently user files were going missing, um, which is not good, obviously. Um, this one's on Windows Central, um, unsurprisingly. Um, it sounds spookily familiar to <laughs> yeah to uh, another company that had a cloud uh, <laughs> had a cloud uh, service that would lose files occasionally. So <laughs> can't uh, remember which company that was. <laughs> nope. Um, okay, so. Uh, 
The Windows 10 October update, known as version 1809, has been pulled amidst user files being deleted upon upgrade. Uh, which is bad. Very bad. Um, the media... All right, Windows update, media creation website, as it investigates issues with the update deleting user files. Uh, users first started reporting their documents folder had gone missing after an upgrade to the 2018 October update a few days ago. Um, Microsoft has confirmed it is looking into the issue. Until the issue is fixed, the October update has been pulled and is no longer available to download. And there is no word on when it will be made available. Um, That's uh, certainly an advocate for not uh, not jumping too early. Yeah, um, Microsoft. Really. Yeah, Microsoft advise. Well, they say advices here, but uh, advises not clean installing the update either. It is possible this issue will be fixed in the cumulative update, or it might be a big enough problem uh, to require the compilation of another RTM build, um, as it had to do with the April 2018 update. Um, yeah. Microsoft has been struggling to assure quality with its last few feature update releases at launch, which does not paint a positive picture. Um, right, yeah, if you have already upgraded and are experiencing issues, you should be able to recover to the previous update by going settings, update, security, uh, recovery, go back to the previous version of Windows 10. Um, if you have already upgraded and found your files are missing, Microsoft recommends you contact the support hotline. Uh, oh, well, that's not very good, is it? Oops. Oops. <laughs> no. Um, and I These think, things happen, though, as we've well, they do, as they do, found out in the past. But um, that one you would have thought shouldn't have, uh, you know, uh, deleting the documents folder is a pretty bad thing to be doing. Uh, that one should probably <laughs> not have made it past Q&A. There we are. Yeah, but, particularly yeah. if you rely on those documents. Yeah. Yeah, let's not. Uh, but, you know, as we said earlier, these things happen, and Apple have had slip-ups, so, you know, let's not. It's not rag too hard. It can happen to anyone, I'm sure. Um, and uh, pretty much the last one um, was this Hyperloop. Hyperloop company unveils a full-scale 750 mph passenger capsule, um, which we were talking about before the show, Nick. Um, which is pretty, pretty damn impressive, I'll be honest. Um, um, so this is presumably a capsule that is capable of doing 750 miles per hour. Yes, down a Hyperloop tube. Which are, of course, um, what they are they? I don't know if they're vacuum or if they're pressurized or what. They're something or other, aren't they? Are they vacuumed? I don't know. Um, low pressure, possibly, um, and maglev. Um, the Hyperloop Transportation Technologies, based in Los Angeles, showed off a sleek capsule capable of carrying thirty to forty passengers. This capsule is the real deal, said Hyperloop TT CEO, uh, who unveiled it last week in Spain, where it was built. It will go to Toulouse, France for testing next year as the company prepares to build an initial Hyperloop segment in China and Abu Dhabi. Well, um, they envisage the capsule being able to travel the more than 400 miles from Los Angeles to San Francisco in 36 minutes, uh, wow. levitating magnetically inside a tube for a lack of friction. Um, now, and as we know, several companies, including those headed by some of the best-known tycoons, are working to be among the first to create a system which would compete for both with high-speed trains and airlines. Uh, Richard Branson, who is chairman of the Virgin Hyperloop, told CNBC in April that he wants to be in operation within three years. Elon Musk, who is the CEO of Tesla, of course, and uh, SpaceX, has been backing the boring company in its tunnel-digging efforts uh, for to build a Hyperloop. Um, 
There we are. Looks like they're coming, doesn't yes, it? it? One does. way or another. Um, as we said before the show, you know, you said to me, do you think this is a is, is a viable thing? Now, um, the whole kind of Hyperloop ultra high speed, um, well, I mean, this holds 40 people, so it's more of a coach than a train. Um, but that idea, I can remember, you know, reading similar sort of things in, in science fiction stories when I was a boy. So, you know, in the 60s. Um, yeah. But I, I think like some of these things, people say, oh, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Sometimes these things just need the technology to come together. Um, and the technology, I, I think people say, oh, well, we've been digging tunnels for a long time, um, which is true, of course. But to dig a tunnel suitable for a Hyperloop, um, it's not just like digging a train tunnel, is it? Yeah. You're, <laughs> no. It's got to be, you know, a, a precise tube. Um, it, it, yeah. Uh, it requires the sort of levels of engineering, which um, you, you need the sort of modern, um, you know, modern computer controlled devices to to make. Um, I think it's coming. Um, yeah, as long, as long as I don't have to test it out before it's uh, ready. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't want to be the first, you don't want to be the one squashed in the back like a flattened. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I could uh, do with losing some weight, but that's probably a rather drastic way of doing yeah, it. Not, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't want to end up squashed at the back like a poor flat hedgehog, do you? Um, I I do think they're coming. Um, how long they will take, um, I don't know. And uh, but uh, one of the reasons that I I believe that they are coming is not only do you have people like Elon and uh, Richard Branson uh, and the like um, behind it. Uh, I think as we go forward and people, you know, environmental concerns, which are something that people should have been worrying about 25 years ago, have now finally started to, um, you know, break into the public uh, perception. I, I think, you know, airlines are going to become uh, more and more looked at as um, not a very clean way to travel. Um, yes. You know, you burn an awful lot of fuel. Um it does. It does make you think, though, doesn't it? If this if this goes forward as fast as they're hoping, it will. It'll HS two up and running. It'll mm. be completely obsolete. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although I don't know, is is Britain actually big enough to have a hyperloop? If you know what oh, I mean. Mate, well, they're talking about putting it between cities, aren't they? So I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, they're talking about you know Los Angeles to. You might, I'm thinking on that scale, you might get one from London oh, to Glasgow. Yes, or, from a Cornwall to Scotland or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, London to Glasgow maybe, but, you know, I can't. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's not saying you You're can't do right. it. You wouldn't have time to get up to speed, would it? Like well, you could, it down. you could probably do it, but you wouldn't be probably get a 750 MPH train because, yeah, you'd never accelerate and decelerate in time. Um, yeah, yeah. That's true. I hadn't thought of that. Like, yeah. I mean, it strikes me as the sort of the sort of um, technology that you're going to want to say, right? If we could go from, um, you know, New York to Los Angeles, or uh, you know, Denver to, I don't know, Austin, Texas, or something. Um, yes, rather than taking it, rather than flying. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. But then again, the technical challenge. I mean, I think part of it is they, they you know, they're always talking about um, Los Angeles, San Francisco, because that's a sort of relatively straight line along along the coast. Right. Trying to dig a tunnel from somewhere like uh, New York to I don't know Los Angeles, you, you've got a 
<laughs> you've got an awful long way to go and um, a lot of challenges, haven't you? You've got the Rockies and, yes. and, and all that. Um, anyway, there we are. Uh, but I still think it will come. It will, it will start off in, yeah, in a exciting. few places. Um, maybe it will be, you know, um, I suspect it will start off in rich places where people, yes, you know, Silicon Valley or whatever. Um, but there we are. There is a fully built uh, module there uh, showing how they, well, they're going to go and test it later next year. So that that was an yeah. interesting story. That was a very interesting story. Cool looking. It is quite cool looking, isn't it? Sort of, um, it looks slightly like a blind Concorde with no wings. <laughs> yes. As it were. Um, and that's uh, that's pretty much it, really. Um, we've got a, a, just a snippet because I thought this was uh, somewhat hilarious. It's only vaguely related to technology, to be honest. But uh, for those who know of Banksy uh, and his sort of uh, graffiti-based artwork, um, Banksy had a print on sale at Sotheby's, uh, which was the girl with a balloon, um, acrylic and stencils on uh, board, uh, canvas on board, I should say. Uh, and it sold for just after over a million pounds um, and then promptly shredded itself because he'd installed a shredder in the bottom of the frame. And uh, after the hammer went down, the artwork descended through the bottom of the frame, coming out shredded, which was... Uh, <laughs> Very banks. You've got to love these artist types. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, very, you know, very funny. I think very Banksy. Uh, as my daughter said, the only problem is the art world will now probably make the strips worth half a million each, um, which would kind of <laughs> kind of defeat uh, Banksy's point. But um, I don't know. As as you said earlier, um, it, it wasn't cross shredded into little bits. It just it came out in the sort of spaghetti form. Um, yeah, there's a link yeah. there with a picture. Um, it's very funny. Somebody's managed to snap a shot of it, half in the frame and half dangly bits coming out of the bottom. Um, and as you and I said, I suspect uh, in order to achieve that effect, either Banksy or um, an operative on his behalf was in the sale room with a remote control because the timing seemed to have been absolutely perfect. Uh, the hammer went down as in going, going, gone, sold to you, sir, and then it went... <laughs> And there, and there were audible gasps in the room. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, and in the picture, you can see people like shocked, you know, hands in front of mouths, almost like, uh, you know, Scooby-Doo-esque in some ways. Um, so I, I thought that was amusing. That was very good. And uh, worth a chirp. Um, I suppose it should be worth a hoot, actually, this time. Um, Night oh, Owl. Right. Yeah. Very good. Very good, yeah. Night Owl. Um I mentioned uh, a few weeks ago, um, and uh, several people have also said that the uh, you know Mojave uh, dark mode night owl, um, you know you you can't uh, toggle it easily. You have to mess about going to system prefs and then so on. Um, night owl is a menu bar app which allows you to toggle between light and dark mode simply. Um, and there's a link in there. That's actually at uh, night owl dot dot xyz so um the link will be in the show notes uh, and uh, yeah it allows you to toggle between light and dark mode with the press of a press of a button i haven't updated to mojave yet i i, I need to do a clone before i oh yes do a clone to it. definitely do a full clone before you update um I haven't, I haven't really run into any problems with mojave yet um other than the apple news annoyance but um 
Yeah. yeah. Always do a full clone before you back up in case something goes horribly wrong. Doesn't usually these days, let's be honest, not often these days, but there's always a chance, isn't there? There's always a chance of something going bad. You can never tell. Yeah, you never uh, know. We are. So, Nick, oh, I think we've I think we've done, don't you? Um so uh, yes. you are of course occasionally on the Twitter. Um, uh, yes, yes, at uh, Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. Yeah, and um, you sometimes also, apart from this show, you sometimes turn up on Bart Few Shots, uh, Let's Talk Apple. Um, yes, sorry, yeah, sorry I, uh, I I was going to be on the last one with you with you guys, but uh, um, a personal arrangement that's got right. in my way, unfortunately. Something so. happened, that's fine. Um, that's fine. Um, Mark... Uh, I don't know if Bart invited Mark at the last moment. Um, yeah, so uh, he felt a little intimidated that he'd been taken over by the Essential Apple podcast. <laughs> if there'd been three of us there, I think he'd have definitely felt that he'd been overrun. Uh, but there we go. Um, I, of course, am on the Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. The show is, of course, Essential Apple. Uh, all our stuff's over at EssentialApple.com. Com, and uh, that's about it, I think. Don't forget, uh, we're in the Slack where lots of chatter goes on. Um, if you want to join the Slack, simply follow the link in the show notes. And uh, I think that's about it. Oh, one thing I must mention don't forget the Joe Cassell 30% offer. Joe Cassell, take control books. You still have until the 30th of November to make a purchase using either the code essential apple or following the link in the show notes which will get you your 30 percent off uh there we go thank you joe we appreciate that um and on that note i think we'll just say goodbye goodbye uh, yeah that sounds like a good idea <laughs> bye <laughs> bye you've been listening to the essential apple podcast and I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website EssentialApple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show uh, or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh... Bart Shots and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcasts, and take a listen. Yeah, I think just a straight ad, don't you? Yeah. Like what? What would we say? Like Tech Fan Podcast, or... Are you are you interested in technology and gadgets? Uh huh. Do you um, want to listen to two guys who know technology and gadgets? Are we claiming to be those guys? Yes. 
Well, there, there we go. Are we claiming to be, the, be those guys? You be the judge, Tech Fan Podcast. No, that'll work. Let's yeah? use that as yeah. an ad. Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.